Well, we're back. Here it is. We're here on another wonderful Thursday morning, evening, afternoon, whenever you're listening. Um, and we're back. It being Thursday, we are back in the studio. We're back on level ground, and we're here with you on the Level Ground Podcast. For another episode, I'm your host, Grayson Seegers. Um, and for the last couple weeks, we've been covering the church covenant. Now, I do want to preface this and say the church covenant is not something every church has. It is a Baptist thing. Um, but even though it is a Baptist thing, it does have very true meaning for everybody. And we can all draw from it, draw from what it says, and um, and really get in there. And if each one of us were to live and were to abide by the guidelines laid out, and it, it would help us, whether we have agreed to it as a member of a church or not. Um, but before we get into the episode today, we do want to answer a question. We had a question, how do you share the podcast? Um, and there was some people having some trouble understanding. We do want to share with you today the easiest way to share the podcast. Um, not only in each podcasting app, there, there should be a little tab somewhere that you can click um, and then you can find a, a button. It'll say messages or a button that says, you know, Facebook or whatever. And you can share it through that app, through Spotify, Apple Podcast, whatever it may be. Um, but also, if you look uh, on Facebook, every time we upload an episode, every time there's another episode airs and drops, um, it'll come on Facebook and be put on Facebook as a link. Um, but that link, it will be put on as a post. So you can look at the bottom of the post and there'll be a like button, a comment button, and a share button or a tab. Um, you can hit the like button, of course, and that boosts everything that, you know, helps other people see it. Comment on it if you feel led to and then share it. Uh, that share button right there will allow you to share it to your Facebook page. Um, it will also allow you to share it in Messenger if you want to share it that way. It'll also allow... Uh, you to share it through messages and other ways. So that's really the easiest way to share the podcast with other people um, if you're following it on Facebook and everything else. Um, if not, you know, that's fine. That's good. But we do want you to follow us because remember, if we get the Facebook up to 500 followers, we're going to do a top five frequently asked Q&A and we're going to have a special guest come on for that. Um, I'm looking now at a list of different people we've got coming on, different topics we're going to talk about. I'm getting excited uh, and I'm getting really pumped up for what's coming. Um, but remember, you can find us on Facebook at the Level Ground Podcast. Uh, you can find us on Instagram, levelground.22. Email us at levelgroundpod, P-O-D-22 at gmail.com. And also, I'm going to start saying this before we get into anything, because you may not listen at the end and you may not hear it at the end. If you need a copy of God's Holy Word, reach out to us, message us, let us know you want a copy of uh, the Word of God, you want a copy of the Bible, we will send you a Bible, whoever you are. Um, and please, please, please just, you know, just reach out to us. If it's something you've even thought about, don't feel bad one one bit, and don't be shy. We want to do this for you. Um, we want to help you in any way we can. And also, you as a listener, let your friends know about the podcast. Let your family know about the podcast. Share it on Facebook. Share it uh, wherever you may put it, tell folks at your church about it, whatever it may be, and help us grow this. This isn't growing it so that everybody knows about Grayson Seegers. I could care less if you know who I am at the end of every episode. Um, but we do want to get the gospel out. And you may not realize it, 
but this has the potential to reach millions. Um, and your little part, what you do, hit just hitting a share button, it may get to a corner of the world that a preacher may not go, that a mission team may not go, and it may get the gospel to somebody that they would never have heard the gospel in any other way. And that's ultimately what we want to do. We want to truly just get the gospel out everywhere that we can. And here we have been talking now for about five minutes and uh, and without rambling on and without talking about anything else. Um, we've titled this episode, Instead of a Broken Promise and a Broken Faith, and I hope you realize and understand what we meant by that last week. If promises are broken, if God's promises were broken, then the faith that we have would be broken. If we break our promises one with another and we act like we talked about uh, a few weeks ago and we're not bona fide and we act dishonestly and, and unsincere and not genuine and all of these things, then again, um, that would really you know, put us in a bad light. That would break our faith. That would that would take what's supposed to be whole and what's supposed to be put together as far as the body of Christ, and it would it would tear it apart. And today, we've titled this episode, I Solemnly Swear. And we want to look at not just how last week we read you the church covenant and we talked about it and everything, and but this week we want to dive into it and look into it a little bit deeper. Um, but to start with, I want us to look at a few words like we normally do uh, and kind of and kind of segue ourselves into this um, a little bit, but I want us to look at a vow. Now, the Latin word for vow is votum. It's a vow or a promise, is what that word means. And a vow is a promise or an oath. And a vow is used as a promise, a promise solemn rather than casual. It's not a casual promise. It's a solemn promise is what a vow means. It's often difficult to distinguish a vow from an oath, uh, and, and an oath is along the same lines as a vow. And a vow is an oath, but an oath is only a vow if the divine being is the recipient of the promise, and it is not, and is not merely a witness. So if we make a promise to God then that is a vow. That is an oath. But also, certainly, an oath is not a vow um, unless it is vowed or you have made an oath with God. And I think that's the best way we can explain it and try to simplify it. And maybe we should, we shouldn't have. But nevertheless, we're going we're gonna to keep on going and and you can track the history of an oath through the Bible and even through world history. And you can find oaths and vows and find that they run deep and are ingrained in our society um, in every way, shape, form, fashion, every day, uh, every year, every week, every month, for years and years and years, oaths and vows have been, been made. And most wor world religions even contain oaths of some of some sort, some shape, form, or fashion. And you can look at the Greeks, you can look at the Romans, you can look at the Hebrews, you can look at Muslims, and, and so on and so forth. And, and even though 
they're not Christian, even in their religions and their religious sects, uh, they have oaths and vows that are made um, with one another and with their God or gods or, or whatever it may be. And they're all involved in certain practices. And they're taken very seriously, very seriously. A lot of these, a lot of these uh, different religions, you look at the oaths that they make one with another, that you look at, you take a monk, and even if it's a Buddhist monk or whatever they may be, you look at them and they, and they take an oath that they're going to live a certain way, that they're going to do a certain thing, um, and they abide by that. And they, they get grounded in it. Whatever that, that oath that that monk has taken, it's going to live by it. They're going to live by it. They may take an oath to be, uh, to be uh, quiet, to to not speak. Then then they won't speak, and they'll just look and and maybe use hand gestures or whatever the, the deal may be. But they take them very seriously. And even in a modern courtroom, we swear an oath if you're if you're brought in and you're sworn in as a witness. And then you say words that are like this, I solemnly swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help me God. And that's the promise, and that's the oath, and that's the vow that you make, and it's an oath to be truthful, and you're expected to keep it, and will be reminded if you if you go a certain way, if the judge seems to think that you're lying, you'll be reminded that you are under oath. You have made that vow, you've made that promise, you have uh, chosen to promise that you will be truthful in that courtroom. And you look and vows and oaths are taken very seriously across every aspect that it can be. And rightfully so. And even the vows and the oaths that that we make together should be taken seriously. And and my question is so we as members of a Baptist church have entered into an oath one with another. And if we're going to make an oath, we ought to keep an oath. But if we've never heard it, never studied it, never looked into it, how do we know what those oaths are? And especially if you read the church covenant and you read it and you don't compare the Bible with it and you don't look at what the Bible says along with that subject, um, you don't know what oaths you have sworn to. You don't know what promises you have made. And that's the point of today's episode. We want to jump uh, jump into this and, and get in, and we want to maybe dive into what promises we have made with each other in the presence of God and to God. And that way, if we know what promise we've made, then we can keep that promise. And I want, to, I want us to go ahead and reread the church covenant. I know we let it, read it last week, but I want us to read it again. That way maybe it'll help us just a little bit uh, to understand here in just a second what we're studying. And the church covenant reads like this, Having been led as we believe by the Spirit of God to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior, and on the profession of our faith, having been baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Ghost, we do now... In the presence of God, angels, and this assembly most solemnly and joyfully enter into covenant with one another as one body in Christ. 
We engage, therefore, by the aid of the Holy Spirit to walk together in Christian love to strive for the advancement of this church in knowledge, holiness, and comfort, to promote its prosperity and spirituality, to sustain its worship, ordinances, discipline, and doctrines, to contribute cheerfully and regularly to the support of the ministry, the expenses of the church, the relief of the poor, and the spread of the gospel through all nations. We also engage to maintain family and secret devotions to religiously educate our children, to seek the salvation of our kindred and acquaintances, to walk circumspectly in the world, to be just in our dealings, faithful in our engagements, and exemplary in our deportment, to avoid all tattling, backbiting, and excessive anger, to abstain from the sale and use of intoxicating drinks as a beverage, and to be zealous in our efforts to advance the kingdom of our Savior. We further engage to watch over one another in brotherly love, to remember each other in prayer, to aid each other in sickness and distress, to cultivate Christian sympathy in feeling and courtesy in speech, to be slow to take offense, but always ready for reconciliation, and mindful of the rules of our Savior to secure it without delay. We moreover engage that when we remove from this place, we will, as soon as possible, unite with some other church where we can carry the spirit of this covenant and the principles of God's Word. Now, this week, I've done things a little different on my end. Um, we've taken and we've used some references and looked at some things and kind of got Scripture compiled together. Um, normally, when I'm doing this podcast, I don't want to fly blind into things, so I do have a little bit of an outline just to keep me in track and for me to follow uh, along with maybe so that I don't get uh, totally off track or I don't freeze up on you. But this week, we're going to... We're going to do things a little different on my end. And um, we found a, a list and found uh, maybe the scriptures that back up this church covenant. And we want to dive into one, each one individually if we can. If they begin to start to get too long, then what we're going to do is we're going to divide this up into two episodes. But we really want to try to cover um, as many as we can, if not all of them. And we're going to start here with the first section. And the first section that we're going to cover is salvation and baptism. And we have two scripture references for this. It's John 1, 11 through 12 and Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Now, John 1, 11 through 12 said, He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. And I believe, and honestly within me, I believe that these are pretty well self-explanatory as to what they mean. But we've talked about it multiple times, talked about it when we mentioned the church. In order to be a part of the church, You've got to be born again. And I'm talking about the church, the body of Christ. To be a member of a local church and a Baptist church, you do have to be saved and have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You also have to be baptized. Now, is baptism essential to salvation? No, it's not. Baptism is an outward showing of an inward faith. And I believe, and I've read in the Bible and, and, and looked in the Bible, and that is one of the ordinances of the Bible in my belief and what I have studied out the Bible to believe. I'm not trying to offend you if you are holiness, if you are Methodist, if you are from another denomination, that's fine. 
because praise God, there's going to be more going to heaven than just Baptist. Um, but those are the requirements as a church and what you've agreed to as a church of who's going to be a member. Now, number two, what we're going to get into today is the duties of a church. And the first one we're going to cover is to walk together in Christian love. And the Bible says in John 13, 34 through 35, it says, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. So here we are. We've made an oath. We've made a promise one with another that we are going to love one another. We are going to uh, stay close by one another and show love one to another. Now, you remember what we talked about in episode one. There's a difference between I love you, I love you, I love you, and everything you're doing is right, and, and you'll be okay because Jesus loves you too. Um, the Bible said in one place, as many as I love, I chasten. Even though you love somebody, sometimes you'll have to have some tough love, but if it's not done out of love, It'll be done in the wrong. And if the church does not have love, not just to outsiders, but if the church does not have love to each other as members of the church, there will be no other advancement of the church. And I feel like that's a really good place to start with this is because if we don't have love, if we have no love one for another, if we have no love for for outsiders, then it's not a church. It's not a local assembly. If, if a church doesn't have love, you're not even being a Christian. But we're going to look on and we're going to look at some other things. Like the next one we're going to look at is to strive for the advancement of the church and promote its prosperity and spirituality. Now we have a few scriptures here and we're going to try to read all of them. Now we've got a bunch of reading to do today, so that's what might take up a bunch of time. But If I read you the Word of God and I don't say anything else about it, the Word of God will stand when this world's on fire. And honestly, I know for a fact if I read the Word of God to you and I don't say another word, there's a very high possibility it'll have more of an impact on you than anything I could ever say. And I know that the Word of God can and will speak for itself. So if we don't say anything about it, that's okay. But the first scripture we're going to look at is Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. It says, Only let your conversation be as becometh as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit and with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Now this is to strive for the advancement of the church and to promote its prosperity and spirituality. So let's look at 2 Timothy 2.15. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Look at 2 Corinthians 7.1. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. 2 Peter 3.11 says, Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, What manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? And we understand and we know if the church does not have a drive, if the church quits working, if the church quits trying to do things, it will die. It will die a spiritual death and very well possibly will die a physical death. 
You've made a vow one to another, if you're a member of the church that has a church covenant, you've made a vow one to another that you're going to promote the church. You're going to promote its prosperity and its spirituality. I'm not talking about the money that goes into the church. I'm not talking about the church is going to be worth a million dollars and uh, and going to be worth uh, or be a money racket and, and all these things. That That does not matter. The love of money is the root of all evil. But we ought to strive so that our church can grow, not just in numbers, not just in membership, but that it might grow in the spirit and be a spiritual pillar of a community. And let's look on at the next one. The next item we're going to look at is to sustain its worship ordinances and discipline and doctrine. So to sustain its worship ordinances, discipline, and doctrine. Now look here in Hebrews 10.25. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so so much the more as ye see the day approaching. Look in Matthew 28.19-20. This is one of the ordinances of, of the church. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. You look at 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three 23-26. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup which, had, uh, which he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. In Jude chapter 1, or Jude, verse number 3. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Now, without going too terribly deep in, into this subject, and we can sit here for hours, I mean, we're barely even going to scratch the surface this week into what all the church covenant contains for us to live by and to, to encourage us. But we, we need to sustain its worship, its ordinances, its discipline and doctrine. We need to not only strive for the advancement of the church, but we need to be grounded in things of God, in the things that the Bible says, in the doctrines that we believe, in the ordinances that were given to us as the church, in worshiping our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and stay disciplined to these things. The Bible says, Study to show thyself approved, a workman unto God, that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. I'm a firm uh, proponent, and I've noticed in my own life. When I found myself, and the first thing I would do was pray and study my Bible more, I had more of a drive to do these other things. The more I studied my Bible, the more I prayed and talked to God, the more God changed something in me. And I felt myself growing closer to God. And if we start there by reading the Bible and knowing what we believe, in, in all honesty, I want us to ask ourselves a question. Why do you believe what you believe? 
there was a point in time in my life when if I was asked that question about certain things, I would have said, well, I believe them because that's the way I was taught. And that's it. That That's where I would have drew the line and not said anything more about it. But to be honest, you can't say that you believe in something that you haven't studied and that you haven't settled for yourself. And when you're able to do that, when you're able to say, hey, look, this is what this is what I believe, and this is why I believe it, because this is what the Bible said. And this is what God has showed me through the Scriptures. Then you can sit there and you can say truly that you believe that and sustain in that and stay and keep it alive. Keep that relationship you've got with God alive. And without getting hung up there, we're going to move on to the next subject to give it preeminence in my life. It's what we've agreed, to give the Word of God preeminence in my life. To give the things of God the preeminence in our life. Matthew 6, verse 33 says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. If we put God number one, and we put the Lord first, and we put the things of God first in our life, this is this is the balance that... that we ought to have. A lot of times we get busy. If you're busy in any type of ministry and you do any type of thing for the Lord, you find yourself bogged down sometimes because you're so busy. It's coming from every direction. Trust me, I know I've been there. I've been in a place where I was miserable because I was going so much. Not just not for the Lord. I loved doing whatever work I was doing for the Lord, but I was bogged down because between life, between everything that was going on in life outside of church and everything that was going on inside of church, I had too many irons in the fire, and I burnt myself out. And I found myself struggling just to even catch a breath so that I could give more. And And you have to stop, and you have to take time for yourself. The what, There's a work and life balance, and there's a church and life and work balance. And you've got to figure out what that balance is. In my opinion, this is the way it should go. God, family, work, and then friends, or friends, and then work, whichever way. Your friends will be there when you work, won't be. Those two, you can put them wherever you want to. But that's the order, and you have to balance those things out. And even though we have to work to make money, even though every one of us has friends, and we like talking to our friends, and we have family, we need to tend to our needs of the family, we need to put God number one in our lives for His will for us, what He wants to do. And try to be found doing what God wants us to do. If we're not, then we might as well just hang our hat on on the hook and and not do anything else for the Lord. And that's bold, but it is the truth. We ought to seek God first, put Him number one, and give Him preeminence in our lives. The next thing we're going to look at is to contribute cheerfully and regularly. The Bible says, Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you Lay by him in store as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. And that's in 1 Corinthians 16, verse 2. 2 Corinthians 8, verses 6 and 7 say, in, Insomuch that we desired Titus, that as he had begun, so he would also finish in the same grace also. Therefore, as ye abound in everything, in faith and utterance and knowledge, and in all diligence, and in your love to us, see that ye abound in this grace also. So we need to contribute with a smile on our face, whatever it may be, whether it's 
and, and I'm not going to get in and I'm not going to talk about how much money you should give the church. I'm not going to get into that. But there are times where you should offer your time and you should give your time unto the church, unto your church family, and unto God. And it ought to be a connection. There ought to be a connection there, and you ought to be yoked up with them uh, in some capacity. I know each one of us has our own places that we need to be and our own things that we need to do, but that that's just where we want to go with that. Let's look off to the next one. Another thing the church covenant says to us, to carry my membership when I move to be active in church and be active in church work. We're going to look at Acts 11, 19 through 21 and possibly 18, 24 through 28. Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Phenis and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but unto the Jews only. And to some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus, and the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. That's Acts chapter number 11. Let's look at Acts chapter number 18. And a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the Scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man was instructed by the way of the Lord. And being fervent in the Spirit, he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. And when he was disposed to pass to Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him, who when he was come helped them much which had believed through grace. For he mightily convinced the Jews, and that publicly showing by the Scriptures that Jesus was Christ. Now, I do want us to look at this. I know that was a lot of reading, but I do want to point out these things. When Apollos left the church of Ephesus and went on to Achaia, or if that's the correct way you say it, what he done was he left Ephesus and he found and joined himself to another body. And no matter where we're at, no matter where we go, no matter what we do, if we leave the place that we're worshiping at and we feel led by the Lord to go somewhere else, we ought to go. We ought to take that step of faith. God may have a work for you in another field, wherever that may be. But you have made a promise in the church covenant that you would do it if God lets you that way. Now let's look at some of the next things. The next things that we're going to look at, their duties in personal Christian living. So the Bible says that we ought to maintain family and secret devotions. We're going to look at Acts uh, 17 and verse 11. We're going to look at 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 through 18. And I know we're moving through these, but I promise we're going somewhere with it. And if nothing else, maybe just a verse in here will stand out to you and will help you in whatever place that you're at right now. But in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 through 18, it says, Pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 through 18 is what that, where that is. Acts chapter number 17 says, These were more noble than those in Thessalonica, that they received the word with all readiness of mind, and searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. 
And now we understand and we know and we can look at these things and we can see that there is an importance to us studying the Word of God and to us studying to be a workman unto God that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth. There is an importance to doing those things. Now let's look on, and the Bible tells us that we ought to religiously educate our children. Now, I do not have children, and I don't know what what it is to be a child that wasn't raised in church. I was, and I had a mama and daddy that poured into me. But I do know this, that if my mama and daddy had not, I would be in a different place. I would be in a different way, and I would be for sure not as active as what I am in the church now. And the things of God would not mean as much to me as they do now. But the scripture that backs this up is 2 Timothy 3.15. It says, "And And that from a child... Thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Then let's look at Deuteronomy chapter number 6, 5 through 7. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I commanded thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and thou shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house. And when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down and when thou risest up. It's so very important that we pour into this younger generation. The world, see, see what, what, we, what we need to realize, and I'll say it this way. No matter who you are when you're born, and whenever, these, and whenever you reach the point to where you're looking to fill that void that only Jesus can fill, you become spiritually hungry. And whether you realize it or not, you are spiritually hungry. And the reason we need to pour into children, not only our children, but other children, that we come in contact with the things of God and pour into them the things that are in the Bible and pour into them Jesus and give them Jesus is because if we don't and they sit there hungry, the world will feed them what the world has. The world's got a big old basket and it's willing to throw it in people's mouth. And it's our responsibility to not let the world feed them and them not to eat what the world's willing to give them. We ought to be found doing things in a different way. Um, Trying to pull them out of a different place. Because I know for me, had somebody not done that to me, somewhere, somehow along the line, the answers I was looking for The world would have given me and it would have confused me and it would have put me in a bad place. And next, one of my favorite things that we're going to cover today is we have promised to seek the salvation of the lost. And we're going to look at Acts chapter number 1, verse number 8. But ye shall receive power. And after that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you and ye shall be a witness unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Matthew 4, verse number 19 says, And he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Psalms 126, verses 5 and 6 say, They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weeping, bearing precious seeds, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Proverbs 11, and verse 30 says, The fruit of 
of the righteousness is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. You might be sitting here and you might say, well, I don't sing, I don't teach, I don't preach, I don't do all of these things. God hasn't given me a special calling. I disagree with you. The Bible says, I believe it's in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter number 5, it talks about the ministry of reconciliation. We all have a job of spreading the gospel, saying how we were separated from God. And because of His Son, Jesus Christ, we were reconciled back to the Father. We were brought back unto Him. And we all have that ministry, and we all have a duty to spread the gospel and to share the gospel with those that are lost. And I can assure you, just as the Bible said in the book of Psalms, you can sow seeds, and you can sow, and you can sow, and you can sow. And some will fall by the wayside, some will fall in the thorns, but there will be some that fall on good ground. And Paul said in one place, I, Paul, have watered, or, or planted, Apollos watered, and God gave the increase. You might plant, another might water, but at the end of the day, if that seed falls on good ground, it will spring up. And there is a job for each one of us. Don't think that you don't have a job. Don't think that you are worthless. You have a job. And that's why it's important to know the Word of God. Because that way when somebody asks you questions, somebody's curious about what the Bible says, you can teach them and you can try to show them. And they'll be more apt to listen to you. Here's another thing, and here's where it all ties together. They'll be more apt to listen if you have love for them and love for your brethren. And when all of these things line up, then you can begin to to do the, the work of an evangelist, to spread the gospel, to fulfill the great commission that was given to all of us, then you can get in that. And then the Lord will add to the church daily such as should be saved. The next one we're going to look at. The Bible says to walk circumspectly in the world and to be just in our dealings, faithful in our engagements, and exemplary in our deportment. Ephesians 5 verse 15 says, See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Philippians two fourteen through 15 Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. Then look on at Philippians two eleven through 12 and we should have just put them all together and we got kind of mixed up when we were doing this. And the Bible says in Philippians 2, 11 through 12, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence, but now walk much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And there are some other verses that we can cover. We can even look up First uh, Peter Two eleven through twelve, um, as well, and I think that's where we got mixed up at when we were putting this together. But we ought to be, and I'll even say it: if you have questions on what to walk circumspectly in the world and to be just in our dealings, faithful in our engagements, and exemplary in our deportment, means go back and listen. I believe it's episode nine where we talked about being a bona fide Christian, to do our dealings in good faith, to be in good faith. And that'll answer how we should walk in the world and some of the things that we should do. The Bible tells us to, and we've agreed to avoid gossip 
and excessive anger. Oh, my, my, my. How many of us have been found in both of these, me included? The Bible says in Ephesians 4 and verse 31, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. 1 Peter 2.21 says, For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. We're going to look at Colossians 3 and verse 8. But now ye also put off these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. James 3, verses 1 and 2. My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation, for in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. So two things we ought to work out. The Bible does say to be angry and sin not. You can be angry and sin not. Anger is an emotion. God would not have given us that emotion if we weren't supposed to have it. But where the problem lies is when that anger brings forth sin. And that's why the Bible says to not be excessive in anger. Don't don't lose your temper. And that's why we have agreed to avoid that. And it's better just to try your best just to let it let it go altogether. But we can't. And it's easy to gossip about folk. It's easy to talk about folk. I've been guilty of it. I guarantee you, you've been guilty of it. We've all talked about people at some point in time. And I'm not going to say that I will never even do that again. Because what what happens is you'll get to talking, and the next thing you know, you're talking about something, talking about somebody, talking bad about somebody, gossiping about it. And then you end up, you've found yourself committing a sin again. And the tongue is deceitful. It's full of deadly poison. And we ought to be able to bridle the tongue. If we can bridle the tongue, then we can bridle our whole body. If we can keep our tongue under subjection, we can keep the whole body under subjection. The Bible says, or uh, the church covenant says, to abstain from the sale and the use of alcohol. And we're just going to read these scriptures. We're going to leave it with you, and we're going to let the Bible define itself and the Bible fend for itself. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Woe unto him that giveth his neighbor drink, that puttest thy bottle to him, and makest him drunk also, that thou mayest look on their nakedness. Now the first one scripture we read was Ephesians 5.18. The second one we read was Habakkuk uh, 2 and 15. And I do want to say this. Yes, we have made an agreement one with another. Yes, the Bible says that this is a sin. And I do not want to go too deep, but I do want to follow God with this. The worst sin ever that you can commit is not drinking alcohol. The worst sin that you could commit is blaspheming the Holy Ghost and turning Him away. But just as much as gossiping is a sin, lying is sin, is a sin, gluttony is a sin, all of these things are sin, this falls in that same category. And I know a lot of people have different interpretations of what it means. 
But the best way to do it and the best way to be is to pray. Ask God. Seek His face. Look in the Word of God. Study it. And then do what you feel God has told you to do because God will give every one of us the same answer regarding it. And no doubt there's many of us and many people that have found ourselves in sins, maybe even this one. And I do want to say this. It doesn't matter what sin you're found in. Wherever you're at, I know for a fact that God will forgive you. The Bible said He's faithful and just to forgive us. So whether it's one sin we've talked about, another sin that we haven't, whatever it may be, God can forgive you of that. And you can come back to God and get that sin out of your life. Then the Bible tells us to be zealous in our efforts for Christ. In Titus 2 and verse 14, it says, He who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. You ought to have a desire and you ought to have a zeal about you to want to do work for the Lord. And we're really going to try to start moving through these because time is starting to get away from us and we've got just a few more that we want to look at and that way we can get on to really where we want to get and kind of leave you with a little bit to help you. The last section we want to look at is the duties to fellow members of the church. We've agreed to watch over one another in love. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 22 says, Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. And we're about to see another verse here in a second that talks about being fervent, being heated, uh, uh, having a heated desire, um, and having, having a, I guess I'll put it this way, having a passion. You ought to love one another with a pure art to have, well, I don't guess, passion is not necessarily the right word, but having a true desire in your heart to love them. That ought to be where we're at. The Bible says in James 5 and verse 16, and it tells us to pray for one another. We've agreed to pray for one another. Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. That is self-explanatory. Then you look in Galatians chapter number 6 and verse number 2 and James chapter number 2, uh, verse 14 through 17. Bear ye one another's burden, and this is talking about to aid in sicknesses and distress in members of the church. In Galatians chapter 6, it says, Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. James chapter number 2 says, What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and have not works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, and be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding ye give them not those things which are needful to the body. What doth it profit? Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. We ought to strive to do not only for people in the church, but people in the community. Help them. Give unto them, whatever, whether it's spiritual needs, whether it's physical needs. You ought to support one another. 
We've also made a promise to cultivate sympathy and courtesy. First Peter uh, 3 and verse 8 says, Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another, love as brethren, be pitiful and be courteous. Then let's look, and the Bible says, To be slow to take offense, always ready for reconciliation. To be slow to get offended, and always ready to make things right. In Ephesians four thirty, and uh, Ephesians four thirty through verse thirty two says, "And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be ye kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you." And I know that we have read a lot, of, a lot of scripture, but that is the scripture. And some of the scriptures, there's, there's more that back up the church covenant and that promise and that oath that we've made one with another. And we've talked about it, and here we are at week number three. I told you we was going to have three weeks, and, and here we are at the end of this. And we've looked at how that God has made us promises. And he said he was going to keep them, and if he doesn't, the effects that it would have. Then we talked about how that we've made promises one with another. And we ought to keep them because if not, the effects it would have. And we felt it needful that we go through here and we just show you one by one the things that we have agreed to in the church covenant. Even if you haven't agreed to it, even if your church doesn't have it, that's fine. I've said it I said it in the long start. But it should challenge us. It should give us a desire to want to do better. And for those of you who have made this promise, who have said that you're going to follow this, I want to leave with you two more scriptures. The first one but let, is in Matthew 5 and verse 37. But let your communication be yea, yea, nay, nay, for whatsoever is more than these cometh of evil. You better be sure in what you've said. When you say yes, you better mean yes. And when you say no, you better mean no. I myself have found myself guilty in these avenues, guilty in these places where I wasn't, when I said I was going to do something, I didn't do it. When I said I wasn't going to do something, I'd done it. Even in these promises that I have made with other church members in this church covenant, I have broken them before. I haven't always kept the church covenant. And I didn't let my communication be yay, yay, or nay, nay. And I want us to look at James 5 and verse 12, and it says close to the same thing. But above all things, my brethren, swear not, neither by heaven, neither by the earth, neither by any other oath, but let your yea be yea and your nay be nay, lest ye fall into condemnation. What the writer in James here is saying, and he's giving us a warning. It's better not to make a vow than to make a vow and break it. And he said, don't found yourself under an oath if you're not willing to keep it and you're not able to keep it. And I understand and know that there's going to be times that we are not going to be able to, to keep these things that we've talked about because we are flesh. But in studying this and looking into this, what it's done is it's given me a desire to do better. I look and I see every day and I see a lot of Sundays when I go to other churches and I, and I look in these places, I see how the church as a whole is hurting. 
I see the things that the church is going through and the and the issues that they have internally and externally. The church has enough problems with the world coming at us that we have to battle. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against uh, uh, principalities and spiritual wickedness in high places. And I know I missed a few of those and I misquoted it. But we don't wrestle against things of this world as far as man. We don't wrestle against man. But what we do wrestle against is the spirit of the world, and that is the devil. That is Satan. That is the spirit of sin. And we ought not wrestle one with another. We ought not fight one with another. And I guarantee you, and I and I know for a fact, that the church is hurting. Our God is strong. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. But the church is hurting. You've got people that have done for so long and have given their all so much that they're now burnt out. You've got people that are living in sin and doing whatever they want to do and then coming in and acting like things are fine on Sunday morning. And guess what? I've been both of those. I've been burnt out. And I've done what I've wanted to do and not necessarily been right with God and come in Sunday morning and act like everything was okay. And every day it's a process. I have to correct myself every day and I have to make sure that I am where God wants me to be every single day. But I've also noticed another thing. The church doesn't have a fire like it once had. It doesn't have a love one for another like it once had. Uh, the worst thing that ever happened for the church was COVID and was the pandemic. And how quickly we were able to shut our doors, how quickly we were able to close everything down, and how quickly that has changed the church and has changed the way we see things, the way we worship, the way things are done. And even though church has went back to somewhat of a normal, it is still not like it was. The church ought to be found doing things together and being together. And there ought to be a fellowship there and a brotherly love. And I do want to say this. Let's not argue with other Christians. Let's not fight with other Christians. We've got more in this world to worry about than these things we're fighting with other Christians about. We've got a bigger work for us than fighting with these other Christians, squabbling with these other Christians. I want to see people saved. I want the gospel of Jesus Christ to go out. And I know other people that do too. And if you genuinely have that desire, then you'll be willing just to lay it all down to the side and to work for the cause of Jesus Christ. Because I guarantee the time that we spend doing the things that we want to do in violation of the promises that we have made, in violation of the guidelines that, that God has given, the things that we do that go against that, if we took that time away from that and put that time into doing a work for the Lord, into doing what God wanted us to do, we would see and, that we would f- and we would find that there would be a fire brought back to the church. There would be more souls won. Even though that we're living in the last days and it won't be long and the Lord will be coming back, there is still a work for us to do. And we need to get our fire back. And we need to be about the Father's business. We need to be doing things, keeping the promises that we've made, and knowing and realizing 
that it ain't much longer that we've got to work. And there are people right now, I can give you a list of people right now that have not been saved and I know for a fact that they don't know Jesus. And who are we to sit back and say because of what we want to do, because of how we want to be and how we want to act, that they're not worth it. Because I guarantee you this, had somebody not abided by the Word of God and the counsel of God and what it said and the, the avenues it give us, I would have not have found Jesus. But I guarantee you, if we live according to the Bible and we live in, in what the Bible says and in what we read tonight and we live in those Scriptures and abide in those Scriptures, even though it was few of a whole of a whole canon of Scripture as we talked, even though it was just a few passages that we read to you, there was a lot in that and a lot we could do and a lot we could strive to do better and be better at. If we would get back where we once was, one of the churches in the book of Revelation, I believe it was, uh, it's either in two or three, and I can't remember which church it was, but the Lord said to one of those churches, said, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. I remember when I was saved and the fire that I had and how I loved everybody and wanted everybody to be saved. And I wish I could just go pass it out. And then I look and I've grown closer to God since then. But there's been very few times, and I believe it's been uh, been 12 or 13 years now that I've been saved. There's been very few times along there that I've had the same fire that I had when I got saved. And can you imagine if all of us got a fire back about us like we once had? Me included. The difference that would be made. The people's lives that would be changed. The work that God would do through the church. And that's been the whole point of the last three episodes. is showing and it is trying to challenge us and to teach us and to show us that if we get our fire back about us, we can quit waiting on somebody to make a difference, but we could be the difference. And I know as for me, and me personally, and I cannot speak for you or any other listener, but as for me, I'm tired of waiting on somebody else to change and to be the change and to do the work that changes things. I want to be the difference. I want to be the one making the difference. I want to be the one helping, not for my gain, but for my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ because He's done so much for me. Why can't I do a little bit for Him? And that's become what I've told myself is why can't I do for God just a little bit because of all that He's done for me and continues to do for me day by day. We're going to go ahead and start landing the plane here, and and I'm really glad that you've joined us today on the Level Ground Podcast, and you're back with us. and And I know that might be a long and scattered episode, but we want to close out with the promises we've made as a church. Tune in next week to the Level Ground Podcast. We're going to get into some different things. Uh, don't forget to like us on Facebook, uh, like us on wherever at platform you're at, rate us, give us a five star rating, give us a review, whatever it may be. Follow us on on Instagram at levelground.22. Uh, and then send us an email. And if you want a copy of the Word of God, reach out to us. We'll give you a copy of the Word of God. But that's it today for the Level Ground Podcast. 
And until next time, stay grounded, my friends.